because, because I'm a hot I'm girl. A hot, I'm girl. A I do hot shit. Because I'm a hot Welcome to Hot Girl Agenda, the only podcast on the left with a vibes back guarantee. <laughs> oh shit, that was good. I like that. We're getting better at this, I think. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, and if you're listening to this on Spotify or iTunes or whatever, you're listening to a free episode that we're going to be, uh, we're trying to do like four free episodes a month and a couple bonus episodes uh, every month as well. Um, but hey, if you want to listen to those really, really juicy bonus episodes, go to our Patreon, patreon.com slash hotgirlagenda, because our last bonus episode was with Brett from Street Fight Radio, and it was super fun. And we talked about parenting and podcasting and all sorts of cool stuff. So head over there and support us for 3 or $5 and get a nifty sticker on your way in. So... We yeah, love stickers. Welcome. We love stickers. <laughs> There's one thing we love on this podcast. It's stickers, baby. <laughs> Rara, how are you doing today? Oh, God, I'm so stressed out. Oh, no, why? It's been a stressful, it's been a stressful 48 hours. Uh, you think that Atlanta would be like the place to buy tires, right? Like the place to... To get your tire fixed, you know, since there's no public transportation, uh, no <laughs> adequate public transportation, and everyone drives a fucking car. But yeah, I, I popped my tire. Uh, this was this was my hot girl shit of the week. I popped my tire while pulling into the liquor store. Oh um, fuck! I, I bumped a curb like too hard trying to turn this liquor store, and I popped my tire good. <laughs> gotta go fast. <laughs> gotta go fast. I gotta get my wine. <laughs> If that is not the most okay, first before we get to the like the rest of the pop tire, the fact that like you popped your tire hitting a corner like a curve, like that's some hot girl shit. Yeah, that's like that's like you know the the fire pussy comes from from bitches who can't drive good. So, (laughs) well, it's just embarrassing because it's like. It was I. It was one of those things where you're like trying to turn into a, a business on the opposite side of the street. So I was mm. in the turning lane. I was in the turning lane, and I just moved up a little bit too far to make the right correction on the turn. So I was like, I got this. This is like a small car. It handles pretty well. And so mm-hmm. I just like I, I feel like if I was going a little bit slower, I would have just bumped like popped on top of the curb, and it would have been fine. But I was just going at just the right speed to pop it. So damn. So what happened? Well, luckily, this is, like, right near my house, so I just pulled into, like, um, the business next door, and I, t- I pulled out my spare and my jack and everything, and I had my boyfriend drive over, and he, like, s- immediately started trying to, like, fix it, and I was like, no, 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 like, just instruct me on what to do, because I don't remember exactly how to change a tire, it's been a really long time, so just mm-hmm. make sure I'm doing this right, so he sat there with the owner's manual, and, like, we got, I got it up on the jack, and then popped everything off put this anyway it was a whole long saga and then yesterday i woke up at 7 a.m to get this damn tire fixed and went to three different tire shops holy to find this fucking tire and nobody had it 
And I was like, well, this is why y'all need to pick up your phones because nobody was answering their business phone number so I could call why? ahead and find out. I don't know. I don't ever want to hear small business owners complain about like, oh, small businesses are dying in America. It's because you don't answer your fucking phone. Anyway, that's just my rant against the majority of tire shops in this area. <laughs> it's like, why? Why is this so hard? My boyfriend had to go to Decatur to get a goddamn tire. It's like, what? God. What is happening? But anyway... That's the hot girl shit I did as I changed into my own spare tire and I felt pretty good about it. So hell yeah, that's amazing. Well done. Thank you. And now I definitely remember how to do it because that was like a real just a real drag. (laughs) It's like riding a bike. You don't forget. Well, you do forget, but then you remember it. Right, right, right. It's the, the important part is when you're putting the sockets back on. At least for my car, it's you go in the cross pattern. You don't just put uh-huh. them on like in a row. Anyway, that's the hot girl shit I did. But yeah. Um, so what about you? Um. Well, I started therapy this week. Yeah. <gasps> Yay. Yeah. We love to see it. We do. We love. We love some good mental health. Um. Listeners, regular listeners will know that I recently moved, and so like I have to change everything, and I just started a new job too, which means new insurance, which you know. Uh, medical and mental and all health services should be free. We'll just say that right. again. Medicare for all, including cosmetic and mental health and dental and vision. All that shit should be free at the point of service. But anyway, yeah. So finding a therapist has been uh, a challenge, but uh, had my first session yesterday and I am very excited to keep going. Yay. Yay. Awesome. God, that yeah, must be not- so, yeah, that must be like a nightmare. Try- like I, this is like, again, why we can definitely get regular people to get on board with Medicare, Medicare for all, because you should not lose your providers when you switch insurance. Like that is just... It's such a fucking monstrous practice in this. You know, like, I can't imagine how stressful that is to begin with. But then just having to find another person to trust with your, you know, with your mental health like that is just, yeah, it's fucked up. Anyway, Medicare for all. Let's fucking, let's go. Let's fucking go. (laughs) Let's go, baby. All right. So, yeah. So, yeah, feeling good. Um, feeling, Feeling ready to process and, you know. Get that shit, get that shit together. That's good stuff. It's always like the hard, the hardest part is always like getting started, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It really is. And it's like, I, okay, um, if anyone follows me on Twitter, you know that I talk about my old therapist a lot uh, because she was really amazing. Like, she was just so amazing. Our last session, we were both like, she, I was like, you changed my life, thank you. And she was like, you changed my life. And I was just like, ah! <laughs> yeah, so it like, it like feeds into like my fucking um desire to be a teacher's pet like therapist pet. <laughs> but, but i'm the really favorite patient yeah <laughs> i'm the best one a plus i um, did all my homework <laughs> yo she would give me homework and i'd be doing it plus extra i'd be showing up with like well i actually thought about this and she was just like oh my god so good so good so good um but yeah uh finding a new therapist it's a lot like going on a bunch of dates and and but they're really uncomfortable dates because you have to be really like vulnerable and like uh exposed you know uh but then but then you find one you're like okay like you take my insurance good (laughs) and also i don't hate you great you know but yeah uh i would be curious to know like if anyone if anyone listening has like thoughts on like good tips to find a therapist like 
first of all, if you're not following us on Twitter and Instagram, you should be following us on Twitter and Instagram. Hot Girl Agenda. I think it's Hot Girl Agenda for both of them, right? Yep. 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 Yeah. Hit, hit us up. Let us know, like, what works for you when you have to find a therapist or, like, what what you have found to be useful. Because I think a lot of people could benefit from that. I know. I know I probably could have. Right. Like, we always say, you know, there, there's the trope of, like, go to therapy or whatever, mm-hmm. um, which is just, like, it's great to, like, go to, like, I, I don't want to say it's, it's going to be the best for everyone, but there is like something positive about it when you find the right person. Um, so I don't want to be dismissive of people that are just like, well, I want to go to therapy, but I can't afford it or I can't find a good one. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, let's, let's share those tips with each other. If you have any resources, if you work in, uh, if you work in mental health and you have resources for people and w- like low income or, uh, people yeah. who don't have jobs, please hit us up and let us know. We want to plug it. We definitely want to plug it. Mm-hmm. But yeah. So yay. Mental health. Yay. yay. Fuck yeah. I know. We're awesome. (laughs) Especially as we are getting into um, fucking Hell World Day (laughs) 69,420. Yes. Um, Thankfully, we have, uh, you know, some really great, you know, leaders that are stepping (laughs) up um, that are really just showing that they have the dignity and maturity (laughs) to handle you know, the, the task at hand, kind of like uh, Kasim Reed, uh, the Oof. former mayor of Atlanta, Oof. who is uh, also running for mayor again this year, despite being under uh, federal investigation for wire fraud. Um. <laughs> <laughs> real baller move, by the way, like just a real boss move where you're just yeah. like, God, oh, fuck the feds. Here I go on the campaign trail <laughs> once again. It's like you got to hand it to these guys. Oh, it's incredible. Uh, shame is not in their emotional voca- vocabulary. Goddamn. But um, I'm mentioning Kasim Reed because someone on Twitter who I, I don't even think I was initially following at first, but I did follow them based on this one interaction because they were getting bullied by the former mayor. They someone someone posted um, that there was a Kasim Reed sign in their in their neighborhood and they said that's very presumptuous of you at Kasim Reed and everyone was laughing about it um yeah and then someone you know someone like threw out a barb about Kasim and then he replied with a screenshot with like the <laughs> the, the, the the note circle around it it <laughs> said it's like and a bright yellow <laughs> circle yeah, bright yellow circle and and screenshotted it and replied to this person and said and yet you follow me checkmate <laughs> Oh, man. 4D chess from this motherfucker. Yeah. um, Congratulations. You won the mayoral run. Good job. (laughs) And a bunch of people rightfully just started trashing him. And we're just like, wow, is this your voter outreach? Like, we're just like, yeah, man, keep posting through it. And I like, you know, I replied. So this is my strategy now is I I found out that he blocks like pretty much all the Atlanta activists that disagree with him on anything because he's a fucking neoliberal and he's very like pro big business, pro development. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Like pro gentrification, um, even though they don't want to call it that. Um, so I just like quote tweeted and I was like, man, you got to have more dignity than this. <laughs> like, you, you know, like if you, you're you're running from your former mayor, man, like this is yeah. pathetic. <laughs> like, <laughs> and then I was like, no, actually, actually don't stop posting through it because I would just love to see you watch your campaign and, you know, in real time fall apart 
but this is like what we have to look forward to with the mayoral race in Atlanta. And I want to do like a longer episode about this with people that actually pay more attention to electoral stuff than I do. But do you have any embarrassing like political interactions that you remember from like your neck of the woods? God, um, honestly, honestly, in California in California, it's it. I mean, I mean, they all either go like really intense right like so you have like sexual harassment or sexual assault or like impropriety Mm. in that way or like they're just like because the state is so big and usually the big cities like take up all the air then it's just about kind of like garcetti and you know garcetti in la and uh uh what's his face uh newsom in san francisco and you know that's it but i will say this um the mayor of idlewild california is a dog (laughs) Um, and i think that's like the only good politician that ever exists i'm pretty sure the dog has been mayor for like a really long time since pretty much since he was a puppy mayor good boy (laughs) yeah mayor good boy the goodest of boys the only good politician so my takeaway and and idlewild is beautiful it's like uh foresty and like you know, really lovely. So my takeaway is everyone, every city should have some sort of good pet as a mayor instead of a person. <laughs> so what do they do when, like, things aren't going well? Did they just yell at the dog? Like, <laughs> no treats. Oh, no. <laughs> Honestly, I feel like I don't, no, nothing goes badly in Idlewild. It's so pretty and, like, it's just really, it's, like, very tiny. So it's, like, everyone just kind of, does their fair share and then the dog gets to ride around in the back of the car on parades <laughs> wait i'm so confused about how this actually works in practice <laughs> like in theory i'm like yes dog mayors all right but in practice i'm like okay so he's the mayor who's the deputy mayor <laughs> like who what is this what does this hierarchy like, look like it's like somebody's cat it's it's like <laughs> no chief of staff is a parakeet <laughs> Oh, that's so great. I I need to investigate this more because this sounds incredible. Also, the name Idlewild for a town, top notch. I know. Top notch town name. And it's it's got that kind of energy that a town named Idlewild would have. Like there's a like a weed themed uh bed and breakfast called the Bud and Breakfast. And there's like (laughs) Yes. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 pretty cute. It's a pretty cute. I think it's like the reason why they could have a dog as a mayor is because it's like an unincorporated like township or something. So it's not like a full okay. on town. So they were just like, fuck it. Dog for a mayor. Whatevs. <laughs> <laughs> you know, having a fucking dog for a mayor of Atlanta would be just such a vast improvement. On <laughs> <current> leadership. <laughs> a dog would never be mean to homeless people like a dog would never fucking you know pull all the shit keisha lance bottoms does so a dog might even expand marta yeah yeah exactly oh my god if we expanded marta and allowed like just dogs to come on the train (laughs) yeah yeah a dog would be like i can't fucking drive i'm a dog but somehow i'm a mayor so i gotta expand public transit so i can get to work (laughs) i gotta get to work dude Oh my god, a dog a dog with a little backpack and a little um a little like tie collar just sitting on Marta waiting to get Or just like a little Bluetooth like (laughs) a little Bluetooth (laughs) little business dog. Ah we love Oh we gotta make that happen. Somebody make that happen in Atlanta and send us a picture. 
Oh, God. Yeah. So this is just I don't know what else is going to happen with this mayoral race. I have not been following it whatsoever. And it's crazy because it's it's already July and I've only heard of like one person running. So I'm I'm assuming it's going to just be a bunch of like really reactionary Republicans and then just a bunch of like super liberal like local politicians that have questionable ethics so yay Atlanta nice more more corruption and less uh support for people who live there yeah fantastic sounds like a winning deal yeah, it's called, it's probably going to end up being like a cop-loving liberal, you know, which is like all of them, but... <laughs> Woof. Ugh, well, as Dog Mayor would say. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think they have to address him as sir? <laughs> Here's your kibble, sir. Here's your kibble, Mr. Mayor. <laughs> God. Why I isn't this like, a movie? Why why is not this not been made into a fucking ABC Family movie yet? Dogs can be basketball players, but they can't be mayors on TV. What the <laughs> fuck is that? Let's get some representation. Dogs can be drafted in the military, but they can't be sex workers. What is this? Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so much wrong with this. <laughs> Yo, oh God. Okay, that's God. a very silly thing. Um, <laughs> Uh, so this is something that just happened. I just was uh, made aware of today, and I think maybe mm-hmm. you were too. Was this um, this story about four men arrested in, for breaking sodomy laws in Maryland? Oh fucking god! So this reminds me of a um, so in the '90s. I remember this because I was a little kid um, in San Francisco, and it was like kind of a big deal. In the '90s, this like couple that had been together for a really long time. Um, I think it was in Texas. They'd been together for a really long time. They went to um, like away for a weekend to like a like a, a hotel or something. And they were having sex. They were a, um, a gay couple. And the owner of the of the hotel that they went to suspected that they were a gay couple called the cops. And the cops basically were like spying on them to wait until they had sex to be able to raid their room and charge them with sodomy. Because at the time, in the 90s, it was, like, illegal. Um, It was still illegal on the books. It was a really old law. And so what ended up happening was that it was a question of, like, so they were saying, like, what about our fucking privacy? What about our rights? Like, you were spying on us. Yeah. Like, to be able to arrest us. Like, Mm -hmm. this is is batshit. This is so unconscionable. And, you know, they were like, well, the law says that you're not supposed to, you know, you're not supposed to have anal sex. So... Just fuck y'all so much. Mm-hmm. Fuck you if you fucking think this shit is just okay. What's so fucked up about the situation in Maryland? Like, and I'm I'm totally unsurprised by the way, Yessie, of that story because yeah. I'm sure that I'm sure that everyone, like, I'm sure that a lot of gay people that have lived in these states with these regressive laws on, that are still on the books are still being like subjected to this shit. Um, this is just like what we're hearing about, right? Like, so mm-hmm. for every like for every fucking violation of your human rights that we hear about, there's probably at least twenty other cases of it that you've never even heard about. Um, mm-hmm. And what's really disturbing to me is that so a little bit background on this. So Maryland um, did have a, a sodomy law like on the books, but it was overturned by the Supreme Court. Uh, decision in Lawrence versus Texas in Mm -hmm. 2003. So that meant that meant, um, you know, it was federal. So like all the other states, it rendered that law 
um, you know, inert or useless. But Maryland still had it on the books until 2020, basically, in their state laws. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, they basically just terrorized these this, these gay dudes for no fucking reason. Um, and to be clear, like, they were, you know, they were in, like, a, you know, a private, like, video store where it's, like, a, an adult video store where you can get, like, private rooms and, like, screen movies to get, like, you know, with whoever you're with. Um, mm-hmm. These are consenting adults, by the way. Like, this is nothing wrong with that. I don't see any right. any fucking problem with that whatsoever. Um, as long as you're safe and you're, you know, it's consensual. Who gives a shit, right? Um, so the, they, like busted down these, you know, locked doors where people were doing their private business and violated these people's rights. And what was really disgusting to me was the people in the comments of this story that were like, but that's illegal. And like, or or that was just like, well, that that wasn't disgusting as as much as it was just like, why are you so naive still about homophobia? You know, but it was it was disgusting because there were, you know, people that were like, oh, well, you know, well, at least, you know, they didn't have a case and they just, you know, they could just let them go and da da da. And it's like nobody should have to be thrown in prison, like thrown in jail for no fucking reason. Granted, they were released, I think, the next day. But it's like mm-hmm. if you're a working person and you get picked up for some shit that di- isn't even illegal and you spend mm-hmm. a night in jail, you could lose your fucking job. You could lose your fucking job and then having that on your record, like even if they didn't charge you with anything, like like getting an arrest off your record is really difficult, sometimes impossible. And also it it's still on your rap sheet. Like, yeah, like you you're fucked. This is like a terrifying overstep, of course, of our authoritarian police state but it's also just like i i i really this is like the issue i have with like affluent queer people is like thinking Uh that biden was gonna fucking fix any of this or that we would get any protections whatsoever in this case and we're seeing now that he's not gonna stop any of this shit no like this is gonna keep happening and it's gonna keep getting worse and I'm just really scared. I don't know. I don't know about you, but it, it, it fucking it pisses me off that we're still dealing with this. And it pisses me off that people are just being really naive about it, too. Yeah, totally. It's so that's like that's like the fucking thing with like having Biden as the Biden administration. Like there are minor concessions that the Biden administration made in the first 100 days, but very selective. And most of it was a uh, double speak because, you know, for example, especially when it came to migration, um and immigration um you know he was saying he was going to do things and then was still still kept in place those practices that trump put in place so ultimately what we're seeing is just the same shit with a different with a different patina slapped on instead of red it's blue and but but it's ultimately the same oppressive uh racist sexist homophobic bullshit that 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 we're seeing but it's it's with a with an air of some sort of fake civility and it's I don't know, like, it's hard to feel any sort of traction for change, especially since the majority of people see that he's a Democrat and say, like, okay, like, I guess we're done, you know? Yeah, yeah. Like, even if they feel fatalist about it. And that's the part that really scares me, too, is, like, we're not done at all. It's the same Mm -hmm. shit, different color. Yeah, and, um... it really it's it's very demoralizing and it's also like if you're wondering why i bring biden up and you're like well he's not you know he like he has nothing to do with maryland da, 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 da. it's like no no no. 
his administration set the precedent for stuff like this, not mm-hmm. only just not only for queer people being arrested for bullshit, but for more black and brown people to be picked up for bullshit because he refuses to fucking have any kind of handle on police corruption or police reforms or even even just the most mild uh, redirection of funds from the police to like actual state services and stuff. He fucking refute his administration has basically said like, Oh, we're done with all the Black Lives Matter stuff. Good job. We got Kamala in the White House. We're all good now. And just expected people to just eat that shit up, which, to be fair, a lot of people fucking did. But to anyone listening out there, like to any queer person out there who considers themselves apolitical and not really into this kind of, you know, you know, paying attention to this kind of stuff, you need to fucking pay attention because your identity is being weapon. Like your identity is being weaponized against Mm -hmm. you by the state and we all need to fucking really figure out how we're going to deal with this because it's not going to get better if 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 it's any indication it's going to get way fucking worse um so if you are in maryland you should be demanding defunding the police you should be demanding um that these police officers get fired and have no ability to get rehired anywhere else that's the very least that can fucking happen out of this situation. And we want to support you. If you are an activist in Maryland or an organizer in Maryland or just a queer person in Maryland that wants to, you know, talk about this stuff or um, we want to like boost it um, on our social media and we want to talk about it because this is definitely an, a, a very layered issue and we only just touched on the surface of this one state. But if you also have a story of maybe if you're um, out there and you've been arrested on these fucked up charges and you want to write in anonymously to the show, you can write hotgirlagenda at gmail.com. Let us know about your experiences. You can be as anonymous mm-hmm. as you want. We will try to we will protect your identity, uh, add as many details or not as you want. But let us know how this affected you, because, you know, th- again, mm-hmm. at the end of the day, there's real people behind, you know, these these four guys that got arrested. Who knows what kind of trauma that they are ex- going to experience down the line and who knows what kind of, you know, repercussions that they're going to experience from being outed as as uh, gay men. So we want to support y'all. Um, let us know how we can. But yeah, that's just kind of what's going on right now. Sorry to keep sorry to get so heavy and early in the episode. But damn, damn, y'all. No, it's it's real. You know, do we want to? Since we're kind of talking through it a little bit, do did you see the the New York Times food beats thing, anti beats? No, I just liked your meme because it was a Doug meme. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> like, uh, basically, someone here. Let me send it to you because this might be fun to talk about because um, it's kind of lighthearted. Um, but someone wrote like a screed against beats. Uh, oh no, it was free New York Magazine. Um, and everyone's like, "What the fuck? Beats are pretty good." But I don't know how you come down on the beets debate. Like, do you like beets? Okay, let's see. No amount of dehydrating, rehydrating, salting, charring, juicing, or grilling can make up for what beets lack, which is interest, texture, and flavor. (gasps) I disagree. Yeah. I disagree. Uh, I love beets. And I know that's a very polarizing uh, (laughs) opinion. I love beets, too. So maybe we can talk about this. (laughs) Wait, I was like, before I, like, moved the window, I was like, wait. Did they really hate beets? <laughs> Is there, are we about to get into it? Because <laughs> I can see it going either way, honestly. It's it's a very strong, like, like I like pickled beets. I use pickled beets in my salad. Just oh, pro tip. So pro tip. Spring mix, goat cheese, beets, and walnuts. A little bit of Damn! balsamic vinaigrette. Nice. You got yourself a lunch right there. Hot girl cooks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I love beets. 
Yeah, this is, I don't know. What is this? Why are they trying to pick a fight with beat lovers? Is this for clicks? I think it's for clicks. I definitely think it's for clicks. Um, the whole thing was talking about how, so the, the crux of the article is that like no like plant-based food, in particular beets, could ever replace meat. Which is like a whole mm-hmm. nother fucking thing. But the way that they're framing the article is like, beets are whack. Like, <laughs> beets are whack and... Let's kill them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Beets are whack. All my homies hate beets. Um, and that you can't, you can't, um, you can't make a meal out of beets. To which I say, person, you are incorrect. Sir, madam, whoever you are, you are incorrect. Like, a good salad... Salad. I said salad. This motherfucker said salad. (laughs) A good salad with with a beet and some sort of like crunchy element and some Mm -hmm. sort of like sweet element to bring out the sweetness of the beets. Like that shit pops. Like it's good. Beets are great. Um, I'm pro. They're also a pretty color. They're so Mm -hmm. pretty. They're the prettiest root. Yeah, and they come in a variety of colors from like a pale yellow to like a pink to like the deep red that we all know and love yeah beets are good why do you hate beets because they can't be a steak that's ridiculous yeah i listen i i get i get the argument against a lot of meat substitutes is like you know i don't i wish i wish vegans would sometimes admit to themselves like this doesn't taste anything like what you're trying to make it to be um and i say this as a person that eats a lot of meat substitutes because i am trying to like you know, lower my meat and animal product consumption. But there's just times when there's just, it's just a beet steak. Yeah. I mean, you can call it a steak. It's just not going to taste anything like beef steak. So mm-hmm. I, I get it. I get the impulse to be like, hey, can we just stop like pretending that vegan food is is meat um, or tastes exactly like it? Because that's fair. That's a fair assessment. But beets in general are fucking awesome. They're really good for you too. Um, if you're like, if you're wondering like how you can put like beets in your like how to make it less disgusting or whatever, um, literally like just stick it in a salad of stuff you already like. And it's like got a especially the pickled beets. They have a, you know, a softer texture. Um, they're really not invasive. They're pretty mild even when they're pickled. So you can just like kind of throw them in pretty much anything like green that you're doing. But anyway, <laughs> yeah, I think that's just oh, New York magazine. You're above this. Or are you? I think it's been a slow news cycle as we are very much realizing. And New York Magazine was like, you know, those fucking smooth brains on Twitter will eat this shit up. They'll love this clickbait. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I get it. It's so easy to argue about food because the the stakes are very low when you're arguing about food Mm because it largely just comes down to taste, right? If if you don't like how something tastes, it's just never going to taste good to you no matter what, right? Yeah. Kind of like how I feel about dark chocolate. I don't like dark chocolate. Yeah, me neither. I'm not Thank a big you. dark chocolate person. It's like kind of bitter, no? It's really bitter. And uh, to me, everyone's like, well, you just got to get it this way. It's like, no, no, no. I don't think you understand. I like milk chocolate because I am a baby. Um, <laughs> and <laughs> I like I like smooth, creamy stuff. Like I don't want to. And uh, this whole like chocolate's good for you thing. It's not. You can just stop that. Um, it. it the cocoa bean is good for you. Like, there's good properties from it. But you're not going to convince me that, like, bitter dark chocolate is good for me. Mm-hmm. I'm j- Just eat the fucking regular chocolate that's sweeter. Just do whatever you want. Do whatever you want. The world's ending. Just eat the fucking chocolate you want, honestly. <laughs> We're all going to fry up in a crispy uh, fire started by someone trying to say that their baby, Amberlynn, was a girl. 
We are all going to choke on the smoke of a Tannerite gender reveal party. So eat the chocolate you want. We're all going to get hit by (laughs) non-lethal gender rounds, you know, at someone's party. So (laughs) might as well go out (laughs) with some good chocolate in your mouth. Oh, my God. Non-lethal gender rounds. Dude, we're all going to get we're all going to get the gender virus and we're all <laughs> going to have to go underground for it. We're oh all going to have we're all going to be sick with gender. It's going to be awful. <laughs> I know I'm sick of gender. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. I'm so Fuck, sick of the shit. Me. Yeah, so if you're wondering what the fuck we're talking about, um, the one of the couples last year that famously fucked up their gender reveal by blowing shit up, um, I can't even like remember which one exactly this one it, this was. It was in somewhere in California apparently for this one. Of but there it was. were like four or five incidences of these last year of like gender reveal parties setting off fucking fires and shit. And um, I just gotta say, if you're doing this shit in California. During a drought, you're so, so dumb. Why would you, why would you do that? But that's what these people did. And they started a fire that I think took out like 22,000 acres um, Mm -hmm. and killed a firefighter who had to come in and, yeah, and and just, just, just killed a bunch of animals and wildlife and, you know, environment. And a a poor guy died who was just doing his job. And so now this couple faces like 30 years in prison, which... I have very mixed feelings about, obviously. I think that is a very fucking long time for, um, it was basically like unintentional manslaughter, whatever that's called. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I have a lot of feelings about this, and maybe you do too, um, because I think 30 years is a really fucking long time for a mistake like that. And I understand having consequences for actions, but they just had a, a kid, and both that kid's parents being in jail for 30 years is not doing society any fucking favors, you know? Yeah, Um, yeah. And I think, so, you know, I don't really think, like, a punitive, like a a carceral, a carceral, you know, judgment is the answer here. What does it look like for, like, California to be made whole in this, I guess is my question. It's like, okay, like, what kind of, like, can they pay restitution to, like, help rebuild the, like, scrubland, the mm-hmm. chaparral? Because I'm, it was in Southern California or Central California, which means it would have been, it would have been, like, brush, brushland, right? Right. Chaparral. So wh- what does it look like to rebuild that? What kind of cost is that? Like, how can they contribute to that? Like, you know, because you're right, like, sending two people to jail. And, and sometimes, okay, so this is kind of an interesting thing. Sometimes when um, married couples with children have... Uh, have joint sentence. They'll they'll sentence them what's known as jointly and severally, which is which means that they don't really care who like they'll give them an X amount of time, like thirty years or whatever, and they don't care who serves it or how mm. they split it up. Just okay. that it gets served, which to me speaks to the fucking absurdity of of the carceral system it's like you just want a body in the jail yeah like yeah it doesn't matter who it was you just want a body in the jail so so that's a thing um so that might be happening here um the other thing they do sometimes with parents is um if they do give them individual sentencing that's not jointly and severally um they'll um or jointly and several um they will um have them serve concurrently so 
So one person will do their time. They'll usually cut the time at some point, like for good behavior or right. as part of like some sort of, um, you know, because you usually only serve like for what's considered white collar, stuff like this. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure actually if this is white collar, but with stuff like this, they'll usually only serve a percentage of it before they get paroled out. Right. Um, so they'll serve a percentage of that and then the other one will go in. Yeah. It's really I, fucking um, stupid. See, I disagree with that, too, because it's like then you have to decide which parent gets you for the beginning of your life and then which parent gets to see, you know, the last part of your life and then you don't even get to do it together. Yeah, like I'll I'll admit when I first saw this story and saw the destruction that happened because of these people, you know, that internalized carceral mindset kicked in for me where I was like, like, wow, yeah, they're facing the consequences of their action. That's harsh, but okay. But then, you know, the more empathetic side of me, that's, you know, the more, I guess, restorative, revolutionary side of me kicked in and was like, no, there's a better way to handle this. Like, you could have them doing community service for the next 30 years. And and mm-hmm. and their community service would be helping rebuild that land, you know, like re... Uh, and, and working with you know, the local fire department to like get the land back to and like looking working with local scientists and stuff like that. There's so many things that could have been done that would have been better. But I feel like something that can come out of this, too, because of the reactionary uh, tendencies of people have of being like, good, throw away the key is that mm-hmm. the right is going to look at this and and take this story up and be like they're punishing a hetero like a hetero couple for, mm-hmm. you know, wanting to celebrate their the baby's gender. gender. Yeah. yeah. They're throwing, you know, the the fucking communists in California are throwing the book at them for not adhering to whatever. And it's like, I could very easily see somebody like, you know, like Tucker Carlson or Candace Owen picking up that line of reasoning and them becoming like right-wing heroes because of it. Uh, which is why I, I just, I tend to stray away from like that carceral mindset, you know? Yeah. Because like at the end of the day, um, them being in jail is not going to get that wildlife back. It's not going to get that man's life back. And mm-hmm. it's not going to get the environment back to what it was. You know, what could happen is is they could actually work within their communities and still have the ability to raise their child, you know. And yeah. maybe something – and then maybe something better can come out of that. And uh, we can show people that making a mistake, even if it's grave, doesn't necessarily have to be the end of your fucking life. But yeah, you know, it, it's a fucked up situation. But I got to say, just stop doing fucking gender reveal parties to begin with. I mean, they're just dumb. They're just so stupid. Nobody gives a shit. Nobody fucking, I promise you, nobody gives a shit about your baby's genitals. Nobody Except the doctor. Except their doctors. And you. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Literally, like, I I hope this trend dies, like, so badly. Yeah. Like, I want to go back to the, like, early... I don't know what was this the early like 17th century where babies were dying all the time so it was just kind of like not that I want babies to die all the time let me finish this up me, hold on hold on hold on what left wing radicals want your baby to die yeah right <laughs> this is the future liberals want dead babies no um what I what I want is uh for folks to just be like look this is just a normal part of life and we can celebrate it when it happens but it's yeah. just a part of life like everybody fucking chill about your baby like yeah chill about its gender chill about you know whatever like and instead like why don't we build the community like networks and resources that allow us to raise children in a healthy way 
Right. And that, and that, that doesn't come from having a bunch of parties so you can have more like bites at the apple for gifts or, mm-hmm. you know, gift cards or whatever the fuck. It comes from building lasting relationships for people who actually care about this little human, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, fuck, fuck your, fuck your gender reveal, fuck your, fuck your parties. <laughs> like, so what? Do, what so I actually do want to get your thoughts on this because I saw this thread going around the other day about. And I'm so sorry that for anyone not on Twitter that we're always talking about Twitter stuff, but it's where we live. We can't help it. <laughs> um, this thread that was going around that was saying, and I think it was from another queer person too, which I thought I found interesting. Um, that was like, you know, you shouldn't be calling your baby they, them, um, because it might be confusing if they, you know, when they pick a gender or when they're older. Um, and it's also confusing when they have to fill out paper, like you have to, you know, they see the paperwork with their names on it and it's a gender that you didn't, haven't been using on them or something like, there was a whole like litany of things and some of them were like legal reasons why it might be complicated to list, you know, try to listing your child as they, them and security reasons. But I'm wondering if you saw any of that discourse going around. I didn't see that discord course, but I kind of feel like it's full of shit. And here's why. I... I'm realizing and, and it, you know, like maybe there are like child development professionals and experts that are like going to refute this. But like from my strictly anecdotal evidence of being a parent, my kid has like a massive and voracious appetite for learning and observing. And I don't think that it is difficult for my child to understand they them versus he him versus she her. I just don't think that that's real. Mm-hmm. And I think that, you know, especially for me, like as a non-binary person, like, you know, I'm I'm non-binary. Um, I live in a state where I can have where I can have an X on my driver's license. Right. But like I I also, you know, like, for example, own firearms and that's not a federal thing. So like mm-hmm. I have to keep my assigned sex at birth like on my right. document so that like I all my things line up together, right? Like, right. Um, I work for a company that is not based in my state. So, uh, and it's based in a state where they don't have the X, right? Like, so if I want my insurance and stuff, I have to keep all of this lined up. And mm-hmm. like, you know, thankfully my insurance is like, you know, hey, what's your what's your assigned gender at birth? And then what's your preferred, you know, well, like what's your sex that you were assigned at birth? And then what's your preferred gender? Like, thankfully I have that right. option, but not everybody has that option, right? And right. so I think as we're explaining the complexities of this world like kids aren't stupid they're right. not naive and i think that it's it's very useful to be proactive and, and rather than just defaulting to the the sex that they were assigned because of their genitals you mm-hmm. can you can have a conversation with your kid and say like hey you it's it's your choice it's up mm-hmm. to you there are tons of resources out there that can help facilitate these conversation books for kids books mm-hmm. for adults but it's like it's up to you. And and you can frame it that way. It's not yeah. confusing. Kids are a lot smarter than we give them credit for. And I just kind of feel like this is like hemming and hawing and using kids as like a, a one-dimensional tokenized uh, token, right? Like to, mm-hmm. to get a, a political point across. At least that's yeah. my experience. But I don't know. With your like – with your nibblings, like what do you see? I know that uh, my sister is raising her kids, um, you know, to not – necessarily have to conform within the gender norms mm-hmm. um she still uses she her and he him sure, for them. sure and i think i think there's also some influence there where you know she lives in a very conservative community um totally. and her immediate um nuclear family is much more liberal obviously so but her you know her relations around her are very like conservative. Yeah, the little boy is going to be playing baseball with us. Little girl is going to be a princess, and it's like that's very um, unnerving for her. 
But how do you express, you know, how do you express that when your whole community is like counterintuitive to like what you're trying to do as a parent, you know, what you think is right as a parent? Um, And I think that's going to be an interesting thing, um, especially for, you know, queer parents in smaller, you know, towns and and rural areas and stuff like that who don't have necessarily the um, the big city community to kind of draw from uh, Mm -hmm. in that regard. Um, So that's going to be like tricky. But. I think they one of the points they brought up in that thread, and I wish I could find, I could, wish I could remember who posted it, but I, I found some points interesting, like the, um, you know, when they get to school and they have to be around other kids that, you know, are overwhelmingly going to be, like, raised as, like, cishet kids, mm-hmm. um, you know, there's going to be, like, bullying and all this stuff. I feel like I could refute that point pretty easily, even though the concern is real. Like, nobody wants their kid to be bullied for being different, Right. I don't think Mm -hmm. the answer is to put the onus on the parents who are already parenting, you know, doing the difficult job of parenting, but to put the onus on, you know, the administration of that school to protect trans children and to protect, you know, gender nonconforming children and to actually demand that um, as a baseline, as opposed to this um, attitude I've seen with a lot of people that's been like, you know, you don't want your kid to get bullied. So don't like don't let them dress like this. Don't let them dress mm-hmm. like a girl if you don't want them bullied. And it's like, why does any child need to be bullied? Like there's no little literal reason why that needs to happen. Like we already know from many, many, many studies about childhood trauma that bullying children doesn't fucking make them better people. Like, yeah. you know, yeah. it's a pretty it's pretty basic childhood development uh, knowledge at this point. Um, and I and I speak like this because I had both both my parents were teachers, so I've seen this happening in real time. Mm-hmm. Bullying doesn't fucking like kids bullying other kids should never be ignored. Um, there's a certain amount of ribbing and joking and kind of teasing to be expected in a social setting is among children, but I've seen some really terrifying like bullying happen in schools, and it is like, mm-hmm. and ultimately it's a failure of the administration to fucking like figure out how to deal with it. Um, so yeah, I think uh, I think this we could definitely bring into another episode um, when I find that thread and we can talk about it a little more. But yeah, I just I'm glad to have gotten your perspective on that because yeah. some of that didn't feel right. You know, it just it felt a little bit too much like okay, like here's how you here's how you conform under this system, which you know you have to do a lot. But I think it's, again, putting the onus on the parents who are just trying to, you know, raise kids that are like more progressively than the rest of the country. And I don't I don't I don't think that's fair, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I think the other thing, too, is like social media discourse in general really flattens conversations around like what is what is, quote unquote, good or bad. And I think Mm -hmm. that, you know, most most things there's there's more than one way to approach a situation um and it really depends on context too yeah absolutely um but also if you're a parent out there um you're raising your child you know outside of the gender binary um please give us a holler hotgirlagenda at gmail.com and let us know what you think about the whole uh discourse also, it's really funny because I feel like I plug the email like multiple times an episode and no one has ever like I think one person has sent it as an email. Email so email, us. Email us. Come on. You know you want to. Yeah. Say hi. Um, <laughs> speaking of multiple ways to approach a problem. No, that was a terrible segue. I can't. I don't know how to segue um, queer parenting into 12 Monkeys, the movie. <laughs> 
<laughs> Speaking of um, parenting during uh, climate chaos and a fucking virus. Right. <laughs> um, <laughs> that did not work either. Oh, because there's, there's no parenting. There's no, there's no segue there. That's okay. <laughs> Y'all, we want to talk about 12 monkeys. So. Yeah, we want to talk about 12 monkeys. Mainly because I just watched it again um, like a couple days ago and it was surprisingly holds up honestly um so wait before we get into it what made mm. you watch it again like what do were you just like i'm gonna watch 12 monkeys or like what uh well my boyfriend's never seen it before oh. so and i was raised in a video store so oh, wow. i've seen i've seen everything and he's seen very little so i was like 12 monkeys you haven't seen it let's watch it right now so 12 monkeys if you haven't seen it fucking stop listening to this episode right now and just go watch it and then come back Mm. and finish this episode but 12 monkeys is great it's a 1996 film by terry gilliam it is super relevant to what's happening right now um, Mm. because it is based on well it's technically like a time travel movie but it's also a pandemic movie um, and Mm -hmm. it's about a pandemic that wipes out five billion people in 1996 and um i think the year i think it, it it starts out two years later in 1998 and Bruce Willis is like an a uh, felon who he's in this like underground prison system because humanity um, because of this deadly pandemic or this deadly disease that happened or whatever humanity goes underground. So he's mm-hmm. underneath New York City in 1998 and he is taken out for what they call volunteer duty to go collect samples from the surface to bring back down to the scientists. And now the scientists also, weirdly enough, have a time machine that sends people back to, to, uh, you know, anywhere in time. So what they're trying to do, and I like this because it doesn't start out as trying to change the future. It kind of starts out as like, we're just trying to collect information from the past to make our future better. And I Mm -hmm. think like that's an interesting premise um, in and of itself. But then it quickly turns into we got to change the future, you know, Um, and the and the inevitability of all that stuff happening. But basically, Bruce Willis is sent back in time to 1996 to basically figure out where the virus came from that killed everybody. And along the way, he decides he's going to try to stop it instead. And so it's a fucking awesome movie. It's a very weird movie visually. Like it's like a lot of Terry Gilliam stuff. If you haven't seen, it's very visually jarring. Their production design in this movie is so fucking fantastic. It it looks like, in 1996, looks like the fucking apocalypse already in New York City, of course. But they just do such a good job of, like, dropping you in this world. And Brad Pitt's in it, too. Yeah, it's kind of like part of Brad Pitt's uh, period where he's, like, an anti-corporatist, like, vaguely Unabomber-esque guy. (laughs) (laughs) You know? Uh, Yeah. Like... Cause like he did Tyler Durden, and then he like his his he kind of got not typecast, but he got all, all of these edgy roles, you know. Well, didn't that after. happen after this movie? Oh, that's right, that's right. His Fight so Club was in like Fight Club was like ninety nine or something. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. It's the yeah. other way around. Yeah, um, but I but think like, it was because of this role, yeah, mm-hmm, that he got mm-hmm. Fight Club. Yeah, because uh, what's what's the guy's name? Um, what's his name? The his character. Um, oh, Jeffrey Goins. Yeah, Goins. Goins is, like, an environmentalist idealist, but, like, has a lot of aggression towards, like, 
the systematic destruction of our planet, um, mm-hmm. which I think is like, you know, really I, like Rara said, it's like super relevant right now, especially since we're seeing, you know, uh, Jeff Bezos spend massive amounts of money uh, to go to space and waste all of these resources. And we're seeing, um, you know, the exploitation of workers, but also the exploitation in the sake of capital of the environment, right? Like, yep. and, and and so so it's like a really, um, it, it's both really informative that 30 years ago, like this was still the fucking case. Depressing. <laughs> yeah. And also it is actually a very interesting study in um, the different kind of reactions to global catastrophe. Because on yeah. the one hand, uh, on the one side, you have Jeffrey Goines, who is this, you know, diehard environmentalist animal rights activist who's also, you know, suffering from some kind of psychosis uh, mm-hmm. in a lot in a lot of the scenes with him. And so that's like the really extreme, like far reaction, like who they want to paint as like the reactionary, basically, because um, ultimately what him and the 12 monkeys, which is the name of their their group, ultimately what they end up doing is a very like flaccid display of environmental activism, which is like letting all the animals go in the zoo into New York, which is how is that good for animals? I don't fucking mm-hmm. know. Um, but he also did like kidnap his own father. Um, who was like <laughs> using, you know, using which which I thought was rad. <laughs> yeah, because it's like we love a cl- we love a class trader. Um, <laughs> we just like when the class trader is accountable to the larger community. You know what yeah. I mean? <laughs> yeah, the uh, energy of and and I think this was the point, but the energy of the twelve monkeys was really extinction rebellion esque. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that was that was the point because they were supposed to be the red herring. But also, like, I think it does speak a little bit to, like, the environmental movement as a whole. I think recently we've seen, like, with, with the with the advent in the past few years of, like, eco-socialism, which is not mm-hmm. something that was necessarily talked about before, um, that's changed. But overall, the environmental, the vi- environmentalist movement has been incredibly liberal and incredibly white and incredibly impotent. Um, yeah. And just focused a lot on personal personal implication rather than rather than like something a little more like this. So it was like kind of forward thinking, forward looking, mm-hmm. I guess, of Terry Gilliam to say like this group recognizes like the systemic corporate violence that that's being inflicted on the on the planet. Right. And then like and then so on the other end of this extreme. So we have Jeffrey Goins, who is like the extreme reactionary who you know, has the right spirit, right? Um, mm-hmm. But none of the right tools to actually be effective, but has all the energy, right? And then on the other side of the way other side of the spectrum is the scientist that works in um, Jeffrey's father's lab that, in, you know, at the end of the movie, re- like releases the fucking virus on everybody. Now that's the eco-fascism part of it, right? Is like, oh, mm-hmm. well, humans are the problem, so we eliminate humans, right? Mm-hmm. Instead of like eliminating the systems that allow humans to exploit the planet, we eliminate all humans, right? So that's the, the other reactionary side is the eco-fascist scientist, right? And then what we have right in the middle is Bruce Willis and uh, Madeline Stowe, who plays his psychiatrist in the past. And they're the ones that are like focused on, you know, just stopping the virus. Like it's it's almost like they're reactionary as well, because their reaction is to stop this virus. Right. Um, but their reaction isn't to, um, I don't know, stop any of the fucked up exploitation that's actually 
leading up to this like the fact that they could just grow a virus in a lab with you know and and like unleash it on everybody right uh, but anyway that's a very far-fetched plot because the way that they tried to transfer this virus the way that the guy transferred the virus in the end of the movie was literally he goes through he's a white guy going through the airport with tubes of virus and they're just like <laughs> the the tsa guys like opening them up and being like oh there's nothing in here fuck. which is just like what the fuck oh my god so that aside it's like and I'll even actually like flip this diagnosis of Bruce Willis and Madeline Stowe because I think that they are um, like singularly focused right on stopping the extinction. But mm-hmm. what happens is they're so uh, concerned in the short term that they lose sight of the entire thing and they lose sight of, you know, like what it actually means to like fight back against this kind of system that would allow something like this to begin with. Right. Um, so just two people caught up in the system just trying to do their best to fix it. But yeah, I, I don't know. There's a, some different analysis to be had here. And this is obviously, I, I thought about this for all of 10 minutes before coming on the show. So just don't take any of it serious. I don't want to be added with any of the, your fucking refutals, all right? Well, no, I think you're right, though. I think, and I think um, ultimately, like, I think what, what this movie does, especially the ending, as I, I haven't seen it in a long time, but I remember mm-hmm. the end, like, you just explain the ending and I remember elements of it it's just like everybody misses the mark when they're not like working together right Um, yeah you know when you're not looking at something as a series of systems and 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 nodes in a system but only focusing on these small parts so everybody ends up failing right exactly Um, which I which I think is which I think is a, a a good reminder because I think a lot of the discourse either veers like to the highly personal personal or like fuck it, throw trash in the streets and use straws because, like, mm-hmm. honestly, it doesn't really make that much of a difference. And and it it kind of all does, right? Yeah. Like, it kind of all does. And I know that there are some people who are going to at me on that last bit, but, like, fuck you. I really do think that, like, part of part of uh, personal responsibility, and, and this is a very small part, not saying that this is the whole thing for why we're having issues with the climate. Like, it's... Mm-hmm. Personal responsibility builds a culture of accountability. Like, yes. yeah. And I think that in that regard, in culture building, like that's important, right? To not be fatalist, right? But we mm-hmm. also have to be honest about how um, Coca-Cola is poisoning, you know, uh, water supplies with arsenic all over the world where they build factories and Nestle has privatized, you know, water that people were using for their drinking water and yeah. now communities are dying and Constellation is doing the same thing in Mexico. And, right. you know, all of these pieces, they have to be brought to the forefront, but we can't, we, we also can't ignore that, like, some of the shit that we do is also contributing it, to it. Yeah, as well. absolutely. So, uh, th- like, there, and, and a lot of people give me shit for that too, where I'm just like, well, you know, you could just, you could try to use less plastic. Like, mm-hmm. I'm sorry, but there's like, you could remember to bring your grocery bags, you know, keep mm-hmm. your grocery bags in your car or whatever. And it's like, I'm not saying like if you, you know, shop with plastic, like you're a bad person or anything. If we want the next generation to care about this shit, too. I'm not talking about the Zoomers. I'm talking about the ones after that. If yeah. we want them to fucking give a shit, they have to see us giving a shit. Otherwise, they're going to fall to the same kind of fatalism like you're talking about and nihilism about their futures and the planet. And we cannot afford the next generation of people to be tuned out to the problem because they see that we're tuned out to the problem, that we have like relinquished any responsibility in our personal lives to do it. Um that being said, I will never use a fucking paper straw ever again. They're fucking disgusting. 
Um, They're whack as fuck. I would I would just not use a straw at a restaurant um, and just mm-hmm. take a chance on sipping out of that glass because they it tastes like fucking soggy cardboard. It's truly whoever came up with that was probably in charge of some like torture camp or something because <laughs> ugh. Just get a bamboo get a bamboo straw, get a metal straw, whatever. Like. Um, you know, I have plastic straws here at home, like little rubber ones here at home that are, you know, safe. Like the silicone ones? Yeah, the silicone, yeah. Silicone ones. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's not going to save the fucking planet, but you know what? It's just one less thing that's going to be in the fucking landfills, you know? So I think it's fine to think about that stuff. And I think that sense of personal responsibility can be really harmful to some very sensitive people though, because I've seen people, um... I was on like some TikTok about climate change and I saw mm-hmm. some some person comment said, I don't even eat lunch sometimes because uh, like when I'm out and about because everything comes in a plastic container. Like I'll just go hungry sometimes. What and I'm just fuck? like, you, babe, you can't help anybody if you're fucking hungry. And all you can think about is how hungry yeah. you are. Like this is like you just getting something to eat. It's like going to fast food as a working person. Don't fucking feel guilty about that shit. You need to mm-hmm. eat something. You need you to eat something to eat. and you don't and you don't have fucking time to go all the way home and or you don't have anywhere to put like, you know, a mm-hmm. meal prep or anything like that. Do what it takes to fucking like get your head right, um, which means carbohydrates. Just eat some fucking bread. Like seriously, yeah. just eat some fucking yeah. bread. Like none of this low carb shit. Just eat some fucking bread. Um, <laughs> and, and fucking like, just take care of yourself first so that you can help take care of everybody else. Like you really want to, that's all right. I'm going to say about that. Right. No, yeah. I, I agree. And what, it, what is that martyrdom? The martyrdom of like certain movements, certain movements is really harmful. And I think, I think you're absolutely hitting the nail on the head, but I think that that comes with part of looking at things with a little bit of nuance, which is really difficult for people sometimes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Really fucking difficult. Get your mind right, folks. Get your, get your head straight. Mm-hmm. <laughs> otherwise, otherwise the dog mayors are going to have to fucking pick up all the slack. And you know yeah. what? They're already so overworked. Yeah. <laughs> all they need to do, we need to, we need to work together build a people's movement and allow our dog mares to have nice naps in the sun. Yes. <laughs> um, and with that, I think we will leave it here. Uh, just a reminder again to subscribe to our Patreon. Um, this is a free episode, but we have a bunch of really amazing content um, on our Patreon. Some very rad guests, including past guests have included uh, Tanya and Tom from the Trillbillies, uh, Brett from Street Fight, a um, bunch of different really rad people. Um, mm-hmm. So it is patreon.com slash hotgirlagenda. You can subscribe at the $3 or $5 tier. Um, and you can help us keep doing this um, and getting more rad folks on the show. And and if you subscribe, Rara will send you a sticker. A sticker. Yeah. Do it. Do it to it. All right. See you next week, y'all. All right. Bye.